Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome to Clicking Balls. This is pretty much start of season four of Clicking Balls. It's been going on that long yeah, now. Sure. Um, yeah. And we're still two weeks out from the AFL season, so we haven't got much to go there. Um, but my name is Heath, and usually the question I ask every week is your highlight of the week, but it's been a long off-season. So what's your, Josh, your highlight of the off-season so far? I just like how sports stars have confidence, yeah? You have to. I, I assume. Yeah. Um, now, sledging's part of cricket. Like we've all we've established that it's been for centuries, but yeah. how confident you have to be to sledge someone when your last name is De Kock? Yeah, yeah. I mean, come well, on. I, I, especially I, when you're going low hanging fruit after you know going after someone's wife. I'm I'm thinking there's a lot more coming back at him. I guess he's he's heard it his whole life though. Yeah. I mean, really. I mean, what else are you going to say? Well, your name sounds to like be a fair. Penis. Dave Warner's probably heard that Sonny Bill fucked Candace, uh, his missus, his whole damn dating career too. I got to say, not his whole life, but no. <laughs> <laughs> the whole time, the bit, the whole life of their kids. <laughs> it's a bit yeah. rough. The the crowd turning it with Sonny Bill in fucking masks, though. And I wasn't aware of that rumor until that happened. So, yeah, I didn't know anything about it. Oh, it wasn't a rumor. She was oh, the, videoed da- dating him before. So. Yeah, they yeah. were, and she was dating Brent Staker before that too. Mm, uh, before. Warner after Sonny Bill. So yeah, something along the lines of, you know, rugby players being rugby players, videotape themselves all the time as doing stupid shit. Yeah. So he uh, Sonny Bill Williams videotaped him fucking Candace in a toilet of some RSL or something like that. Yeah, well this was a human this time. Yeah. Yeah. Well I mean a couple of days later Todd Carney videotaped himself taking a piss in his own mouth. So you know, it's one of those ones where it's pretty bad for a general member of the public, but yeah. for a rugby player it's pretty good actually. Do they have a women's NRL yet? I I don't think an official one, but there are plenty of women's leagues. Right. But yeah, I, no, I've seen I've been on the telly. Has that? It's fucking scary. I, I know that I've seen the like the women's rugby sevens and that kind of stuff. Because yeah. I think there might have been World Cup recently. But it was funny. There was another uh, rugby. Was it league or union? I'm pretty sure it was rugby league. Yes, he's a Brisbane Broncos player who got arrested in America over the off season. Oh yeah. Um, right. he, he was just you know looked like he was off his head. Probably. Yeah, and probably was. Um, and he threatened to kill some nine-year-old kid. Yeah, that's the one he broke into Jesus. someone's house, like did a home invasion. Like, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, but I, I liked it when it came back and, you know, the reaction of some of the other NRLs was like, well, he didn't hit a woman at least and, you know, <laughs> we put up with that, so it's not that Jesus bad, is Christ. it? Fucking <laughs> well, when, you, when, when you've set that standard. Yeah, well. You're like, well, it didn't happen on the field. Well, we tried to kill a nine-year-old kid. I mean, fucking come on. 
Holy fuck. Uh, Brenton, you got a highlight of the last six months? Besides? The last six months. Uh, let's see. Is footy season finished? Um, haven't. Didn't manage to watch a ball of cricket in pretty much the whole off-season. Didn't you really? No. Yeah. Um, had one TV, moving house. Um, Mrs. Yeah, decides to out. stand that one up on the kitchen tiles uh, next to a cupboard and that fell over and smashed. And the second TV just shit herself. So oh, now right. I've gone through two TVs and haven't managed to watch a single bit of sport. So which, I've had to be... Which lit. one was the TV I gave you? Uh, that was the one that is... Not the one that smashed, the one that just stopped working. Just stopped working. Yeah, yeah well, it's an old TV. Well, it was going to be my computer screen. That was the problem. <laughs> so now I'm like, ah, shit. I mean, it's always going to get a new telly. Um, but yeah, so that was disappointing. Um, yeah, last night I went to a whiskey event in Starwood, at Starwood in Port Melbourne. Um, got royally hammered. And then somehow we went with some of the bottlers to a, another whiskey bar in the city and got even more hammered. And uh, yeah, not feeling great today. So I was trying <laughs> to th- think through of what I did in the whole off-season. Yeah. I can't remember last night. I was going to so. say, it all got a race last night. Yes, exactly. Well, since it is the off-season, and let's be honest, we haven't watched... Have you watched any of the AFLW or JLT series? Yeah, I went to one of the games. It was a blowout between Carlton and Western Bulldogs. Yeah. It wasn't fun. It wasn't fun. Well, uh, I, I, I want to support it, but it was shit. Like, let, let's not gild the lily or, you know, polish the turd. It was a terrible game. Uh, had fun in the stands, but yeah. yeah. And I've watched the Hawthorne games in the JLT, but nothing else. Oh, even Sometimes I forgot the JLT was even on. Yeah. You know, oh, it's on, is it? I watched like a quarter and went, eh, yeah. It's right, not the I'm same, done. is it? No, it's not. But we, we, I've already booked uh, bought tickets for round one, so we've got a couple of games there. Yep. Um, looking forward to that. I didn't, I didn't watch any of AFOX. Was that the hit or miss? Look, it is what it is. It, I mean... It was just it was the wrong way to do it. I mean, yep. AFLX is meant for people that don't have enough room or enough players or enough skill to play the proper game. Yeah, and AFL players are the exact opposite of that. Yeah, so it, it it can work, but it's not yep. good for TV. It's not it, it's not meant for that kind of yep. standard. Sounds like a recruitment strategy for Port Adelaide. So yeah, you know, no talent and we'll find out <laughs> who the best of them are. Well, Jack Watts did kick six on the weekend. Yeah, I didn't yeah. see that. Yeah. AFLX is good to get people who aren't aware of the sport into the sport. Yeah, yeah. And as a you know a Wednesday night fitness run, be pretty fucking great. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's meant for countries other than Australia, pretty much. Yeah. But it's funny. Look at it. It's there's a lot more about it that's basketball than football. Like the the quick kick ins from the back line, the uh, you know even the the centre bounce has been replaced with a ball. I'd still say it's pretty closer to football than, than basketball. On the whole, no, I the, know what you're saying, but they do the, use a football. Yeah, but for the, the ground and the way it's laid out, even it's the grass. way they set up, the three point thing yeah, is goalposts. Yeah. There's still a lot paid. of things about footy there. <laughs> the teenagers don't get paid. Yeah, I'm willing to go one on one. I think uh, we've got the three point line for a start. You've got the square. Ten, ten point line, yeah. Yeah, three point, ten point. The, the You've got key. the square, the quick rebound. You've got the. Um, the there is still that, that issue of kicking the ball, though. Live subs isn't in basketball. Yeah, no, no. yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah true. it'd be much more interesting game for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we thought um, to fill up some of the off-season space, and because we've gone and done all eighteen teams' uh, previews early, which is unusual for us. Yeah. Um, we, we thought, inspired a little bit uh, by the Dollop podcast that did um, 
Rube Waddell. A, a, a profile of a baseball player called Rube Waddell, and it is brilliant. Um, so much so that we couldn't recreate it because you just it, they perfected it. Look, they did great. Check it out because uh, it, it's worth it. It's I think it because they had an um, association with Will Anderson, so it was one of the most popular podcasts in Australia. Even, right. even though the the guys had never been here until you know they did later on. Um, so we thought we'd have a look at um, some other loose units, and I don't know what we're calling this, but catalog of use, loose units or or whatever it is, but other weird people from the world of sport. Yep. Um, so I thought I'll, I'll kick this one off. With a bloke by the name of Henry Eunuch. Henry Eunuch. Hen- Eunuch. So it's Y-U-N-I-C-K. I think his parents were from uh, like Yugoslavia or the Ukraine and emigrated. Right. Jesus but- Christ, you changed that quick. Eunuch. Yeah, yeah well. Um, so he's born in the 20s in Pennsylvania. Um, grew up on a farm. I bet his nickname was Dickless. Well, it wasn't, actually. We'll, we'll get to his nickname. His nickname is, is, is coming up. Yeah, he's, he's Yugoslavian. Oh, everyone was scared to give him shit growing <laughs> up in Pennsylvania. Um, but you're like, this, this, is, uh, this is about car racing. Um, oh, right. So anyway, he grew up, uh, you know, left school at 16 because his old man died. And he thought, well, I've got to work the farm to support mum and yep. his sisters. It was in the 20s in Pennsylvania. Yep. So that's 20s so, in yeah. Pennsylvania from Yugos- well, immigrant. How many sisters did you have? Seven, yeah. eight? Uh, I think he only had a couple. Oh. Um, but uh, yeah, we're in the 30s now because he's born in the 20s. Yep. Um, but he was pretty handy on, on a wrench and that kind of stuff. For example, um, need a new tractor. So he had an old junked car. So he built a tractor out of the junk car. Jesus. Good on the uh, Hey, he was 12. <laughs> <laughs> so, Holy shit. Not bad at all. Yeah, he wasn't much for that book learning, but, you know, with the wrench in his hand, he was pretty good. Um, anyway, war comes around, he goes off and he flies the B-17 uh, bomber Yep. Um, in, in 1941. I think it was called the Flying, Flying Fortress. Fortress. Yeah. Oh, that's from like, the gunners at the front. Like, and the pods below and the big, massive thing it was. And anyway, he's a pretty good pilot, but this introduced him to aerodynamics and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, he flew uh, friendlies and, and uh, bombing missions as well yep. all over the place. Um, and he was flying over Florida once, and he thought, that looked nice. So once he finished, he got married and moved to Florida. <laughs> oh, I wish you were going to say he was flying back over and went, fuck it. I'm going to left. <laughs> Land here. I don't know. Uh, oh, I feel like a fly girl. He I was, hate Florida. He <laughs> was, we'll just jump out mid-flight. He was a bit of a, a loose unit of the Army too. Like he said, he was really good at his job, but he'd go out and get pissed and, you know, um, whatever else he could do to get himself into trouble. Hey, it was a different time. But anyway... Uh, uh, the army blokes don't do that anymore. No, it's rugby. <laughs> oh, while he was uh, looking after the farm too, he used to build and race motorcycles in his spare time. And he... Not reading manuals, you know, he just had yep. a little tinker, see what goes on. And one smoked as it went around the track. It was pretty fast. It was nice yep. loose, but it smoked so much that uh, the... Uh, uh, the announcer called him Smokey. The old burning oil trick. Mercedes yeah. loved that. <laughs> fucking cheeky fuckers. Well, we're getting to that too. Um, so his, his nickname was Smokey from yep. then on in. Sorry, just grab a drink. Um, so after, after the war, he settled down in Daytona, Florida, and he's opened up his own little garage called Smokey's Best Damn Garage in Town. <laughs> It sounds like it should serve barbecue grill as well. <laughs> Smokey's best damn garage it, and ribs. It would it would these days, I'm sure. Um, but, I mean, that's not bad. Uh, and it turns out somebody believed him because one of the... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's up on the sign. <laughs> but he was fucking good. And like we said, he built a tractor out of a car when he was 12. Yep. Um, so the, the local um, stock racer, he said, mate, well, I need uh, somebody on the wrenches. Come give us a hand. And he'd never done stock cars, knew nothing about it before. He goes, all right, we'll give this a go. Um, so he's done that. He's gone with the local racers. Um, knew nothing about it. Joined up with him, and they won. And gone, yeah, mate, it's pretty good, because he's, he's pretty knack on it. Um, and he thought, well, this is interesting. 
you know, I like this. And when I was flying planes, he read a lot of books about aerodynamics and that kind of stuff. He thought, I could apply that to cars. Yep. So he thought, I'm going to give this a go. So one of the first things he did was, you know, uh, they uh, only do left-hand turns in stock racing. Yep. So he figured, if the engine moves the other way, it's putting all the weight on the outside. Yep. Um, we've got to evenly distribute the weight, so I'm going to turn the engine around. So he okay. turned, because it doesn't, usually it doesn't matter which way an engine turns. Yeah. yeah. But he yeah. figured, he calls it his reverse engine. So he had to reverse the whole car, basically, <laughs> inside, just to get that little bit of extra traction. Um, it, it kind of worked, but it kind of didn't. Right. Well, that's uh, what they do with cruise liners. They have the big uh, centrifuges and whatever, yeah. so they don't rock. Exactly. Right. But remember, he hasn't got um, teams of scientists telling him this shit. He's just figuring it out as he goes. <laughs> but see, in stock cars in those days, you had um, Ford and Pontiac were the big ones. And they yeah. were the factory teams. Yep. Yep. So he's decided, I don't need a factory team. I want to do my own thing. <laughs> so he's got together with his mates and what they've done. So uh, they've uh, gone to one of these races. And they've said, you know, you got to have your stock cars. Yep. And uh, the rule book is kind of thin. And that's where Smokey's come in. <laughs> he thought, right, well, this tells you what you can't do. Yep. Doesn't tell me, just because it's not in the rule book doesn't mean I can't do it. Yep. So he's, uh, he didn't like the term cheating. <laughs> but he was known as either the worst cheat you've ever met or, the, or an absolute genius when so, it came to find the grey areas of the rules. So right. at what stage did he get his American citizenship? Pretty much immediately <laughs> no, after this? No, he was born in America. Oh. I said his parents were from overseas. I feel yeah. like like part of the whole thing about stock cars is it has to be a stock car. So it has to be for sale, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah right. but they have factory teams. Homoglinated okay. or homoglinated. Yeah, but right. see, this is the 60s now. So how do you check that it is a stock? You, you go by the profile of the car. So basically, does it look right? And you know, yeah. It's got this curve, it's got that. So, well, they used to have the cutout things they'd lay out on top of them. Yeah, pretty oh much. Like pretty a, much. A, yeah. Pretty much a straight edge that was shaped to the right thing. Like, yeah, pretty, pretty much. Right. So you've got the factory, <laughs> factory Fords <laughs> and the factory Pontiacs, and he's rocked up in a Chevrolet, uh, what's it bloody called? Um... I hope you say Chevelle. Bootlegger. Chevelle. <laughs> Chevelle. Yeah. So it's right. not a great car. But uh, anyway, and they're right. I don't know this car from a street rod. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Chevelle. The, uh, they had a few different ones. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's a nice looking car. So. I think. And he's got pole. He's not driving. He's got his mate <laughs> right, who's driving right, it. Right. Uh, his mate, by the way, is uh, Fireball Roberts. Um, he's called. <laughs> Smoking and Fireball. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah. He's called Fireball because he was a baseball pitcher. And that's how fast he was. Yep. Guess how he died. Uh, crashed car in a fireball yep. um, anyway it was very painful uh, so <laughs> move on <laughs> well the story's not it was very painful simply to the parents bye bye yeah, yeah. should have named but it Smokey too it becomes important later on um, so they go should have called in the bandit a non um, factory team has come first and they're like mate how have you done it with that car because yep. Ford and Pontiac are the only ones that ever win Yeah, it's like um, in Australian V8s, Ford versus Holden, and then all of a sudden, uh, fucking Kia comes along and wins. <laughs> well, Nissan did it. <laughs> yeah, uh, Nissan's different though. Um, and they they couldn't figure it out. Like they check the engine, the engine's all stock. Um, and they check the profile, and the profile's all stock. And then a couple of months later, somebody weighed the car. Yep. About 200 pounds lighter. Right. What he'd done was he lowered the roof, raised the floor, done everything. So the profile was right, yep. but the car was essentially a 7 eighths model. <laughs> <laughs> he built it. So it looked exactly the same. It was just 7 eighths of the size. So you got the same engine. It's just lighter. Right. He got disqualified. I'd be even more impressed if he actually got like a, a die cast Hot Wheels model and just scaled it up. <laughs> well, it's it's pretty, oh, scaling down, scaling up, same thing, but I can buy this one for $1.20. Which would have been about, I don't know, what the 
currency was back then? I don't know, shillings. 12 cents and whatever, I don't know. But he was a genius. Everyone knew he was a genius and they'd look for the difference in the rules with him. So in uh, in 64, though, he really changed the game of open wheel racing, as they called it. Yep. Um, so they rocked up at uh, one of these events and uh, his car that he pulled in, um, remember, no factories, no science scientists behind this. So this was an Indy car. He put a wing on the car. Oh, right. Nobody had ever seen it before. Yep. And they went, uh, you said the idea was, I want more drag around so we can go faster around corners. And it did. It went the fastest around corners. The problem was the wing was too big. It was too heavy, so it was slower on the straights. Yep. So it kind of um, cancelled itself out. But the thinking was there. Mm-hmm. And he was the first one that thought, they banned it instantly. Right. And then in uh, this is in NASCAR. So about six months later, wings are popping up on all cars all over the place, including Formula One. Right. They started mm. to put the science behind it, but he was the first one that thought of it. And there you go. Holy not, fuck. Not a little smoking. bad one. Um, like I said, stock cars, Formula Ones, everyone's doing it. Um, him and his mate Fireball, they were they won uh, the Daytona 500 two years in a row, and they were the first ones to get three pole positions in a row. Um, but like I said, Fireball Roberts died in a fireball, and it was horrible. Like he was in the hospital for 40 days trying to recover, and right. eventually, you know, everything else. So he said, it's "Right, no Nicky Lauda. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's still doing all his mechanics, but then he started to do a uh, campaign for safety. And NASCAR were like, "No, no, no don't worry about it, mate. Yep. You know, you're a bit of a an idiot." An American sport that wanted to bury safety reports. Well, one of his well, ideas. Tell me, it's not so. It's a sport that was born out of trying to outrun the cops with the with the car full of booze. Well, yeah, at least they kept the reports. NFL hasn't done that. That's true. Um, so one of his ideas was, you know, we've got all these spare tyres. What do we make a wall out of the spare tyres? And that way it can absorb the impact. Right. He invented the fucking tyre wall. <laughs> Holy shit. NASCAR said no. <laughs> <laughs> what were the grounds for saying no, dude? Oh, who knows? So that's just because it's come from Smokey? Because fuck much, you, that's why. And they're like, I know this is like not just about safety. There's some angle here he's going to try to work. He's going <laughs> to put bumpers on the side of it. Bounce off the walls. <laughs> he's just going to have a rail there where he just ha- floors it. It's like, unlike Rube Waddell, Rube Waddell was the biggest idiot. This guy was just an absolute genius. Yeah. Um, but I, the NASCAR, there was a bloke named France who was the head of NASCAR. So, like I said, they didn't have much of a rule book. But How the fuck did a bloke named France get the head of NASCAR in America, those yeah. stages? They but would have basically, him. Ford and Pontiac would complain about anything that he did. Yeah. I nearly called him Rube then. Anything <laughs> that Smokey did. Um, because they didn't want him to get close. And like I said, he won a few races and that kind yeah. of stuff. Um, so they'd come around and have a beer it, with him and he'd be on the ranches and talking and then the next day they'd go tell France what had happened and he'd come back and go alright Smokey we need to have a look at this 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 and this because <laughs> they didn't want him because he was you know independent so yeah. every time they said anything so him and NASCAR didn't have a good relationship um, so there was uh, he had lots of other things that he'd find ways around the rules for example there was a maximum uh, fuel tank size you could have Yep. And obviously, if you go to the pits less, it's better off. So yep. a bigger fuel tank is actually an advantage, yep. of course. So what do you do is, uh, and I'm picking out the numbers. Let's say it's a 90-litre fuel tank. Yep. Is that normal? I don't know. Yeah, sure. Yeah, 100-litre in F1 at the moment. Yeah. So. There you go. So 90 litres, let's say. Um, and they'd fill it up and check. You go, 90 litres, great, no worries. And he'd drive back to the pits. He'd have a basketball in it. Pop the basketball. There's an extra three gallons you can fit in. Or whatever it was. Right. So the basket that sucked in the fuel pump. Well, no, it just sit in, the, it sit in the tank, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, so there's an extra couple. They figured that out. <laughs> so they thought, right, what can I do next? Fuel lines. So fuel lines were five-eighths of an inch thick, and they're pretty straight. So what, you're talking... Five-eighths. What's that in metric? Like uh, Two three. centimetres? Yeah. Yeah, about two centimetres. Two, yep. 2.2 centimetres. Sure. Yeah, bit over half an inch, so yeah. And go straight from the tank to the engine, I imagine. In the, so, yeah. in the broader sense. Yeah. 
So what he'd do instead was got two inch thick fuel lines, coiled them. <laughs> so he had 10 feet of fuel Jesus lines. Christ. There's an extra 20 litres of fuel. Wow. So once- um, You need a petrol pump the size of a small nation. Yeah. Luckily, he's good on the wrench. So, yeah. made, <laughs> so there was this once where they're doing their scrutineering or whatever they do, they checks. And they said, Smokey, there's 16 different things you've got to fix before this can go out there. But we have, want to have a look at the fuel tank again. They took the fuel tank out of the car and he goes, make it 17 and drove it off without the fuel tank. Because <laughs> he's still at all. <laughs> I should say too, all these stories, like I said, 60s and 70s and uh, Smokey was a great raconteur. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, run with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the stories got better as he went along. Yeah, so yeah. they should. No stories get worse, <laughs> um, unless you're a Nazi or something. I guess I suppose uh, they, they should probably stay like bad. Went dark quick. Yeah. <laughs> so later on, he um, did everything to make his car thicker. From things like he'd use thinner glass. Right. He'd dip the panels in acid just to thin them down. Jesus <laughs> <Christ>. <laughs> uh, he'd have the car you know, just tilted forward and the windscreen tilted back. So he, and he had an oil injection button for the driver. So he could actually do it while they're um, in the pits. He could do the oil. So there was one less thing, I guess. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it was Depending all things- on the... Like, it could be also oil's uh, more energy dense than petrol, but lighting it's a motherfucker. So if you're yep. actually mixing it in the tank, you can get more energy out of it. Yep. Even uh, though it's not allowed. <laughs> there, there were things like, um, you know, the fuel lines would be greased with nitrix and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Jesus. I just want to see like Smokey in the sixties going to Home Depot getting like a whole tub of acid, uh, <laughs> a, a foot of like two inch tubing, <laughs> take that to well, check out. He uh, had the best uh, Ted Bundy's in the next lane going. Yeah. You too, mate. You too. Yeah. Well, he had the best damn garage in town too. This is so, true. Yeah, he's, he's got it all. Um, so uh, he got sick of NASCAR after a while because they just pulling the rule book on him all the time. He had other things too, like he had hollow frames in the car. Right. There's another couple of liters of fuel you can fit in. Um, uh, by this time, he's got about 12 patents. And okay. if you go to the official website, you can see all the patents are things like the long-tipped spark plug and okay. all this other like stuff. Legitimate stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, things that are still used. Um, and he's in the NASCAR Hall of Fame and that kind of stuff. Right, um, right. So after he's, he's sick of racing and sick of NASCAR, so he's working on other projects, um, he basically tried to make other en- engines that run on wind power, geothermal power, wave action, or solar, but not nuclear. Wouldn't touch nuclear because <laughs> he didn't like the waste. He's, he's played Fallout 4. <laughs> but essentially, we're talking 70s That's... now. He's looking at alternative fuel sources. I reckon he, I mean, I mean, yeah. So it's, it's in the 70s. Well, there were rocket cars back then. This is true. And I mean, that's like sort of, he could have been in NASA, really. Instead, he was... Uh, Putting the car on a track in well, Pennsylvania. He did have a column in New Scientist magazine. No shit. <laughs> Not a scientist, but he read a lot of the books because he was interested in the aerodynamics yeah. and all that. Yep. You, uh, funny, funny aside, you know it's weird that we went from uh, flight, like as in manned flight, mm-hmm. to man on the moon within uh, 60 years. Yep. And it's been 60 years since the man on the moon haven't put one back there. Really? No, but we've got a Tesla in space, so, you know. This is well, yeah, not in the moon, but it's orbiting. It's in space. Where's that going to come down? Well, I mean, we didn't really go to the moon. Um, so, <laughs> just look into it. Come on, edgy, edgy bra. Um, so, uh, oh, he had like an agony uncle magazine uh, column in um, New Scientist where people come in, write in about you know their mechanical like problems. Ask Smokey, <laughs> exactly what it was. It was Ask Smokey. Um, and he gets, and uh, later on in life, he got leukemia, and you know he's doing all the treatment, and he's in a wheelchair and all that kind of stuff. Yep. And you know the doctor said oh. he's doing look. 
any experimental treatment, go for it. Yeah. You know? I'm your guinea pig. He's added an extra kidney in some way. Yeah, exactly. Um, but after a while, you know, he's confined to a wheelchair. He went, Doc, you know what? This sucks. <laughs> Stop the medicine. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. It doesn't right. matter. I just want to enjoy it. So he stopped the medicine. He got better yep. because, you know, it's a short-term thing, but the side effects are all gone. And he went, all right, we've got to sort myself out. He goes, if I go, I go. So he decided he'd been recording his uh, uh, life story. And he thought, yeah. I better make a fix this, get it done while I'm still alive. Okay. So he's got a couple of autobiographies. If you read through <laughs> a them, couple. he goes off on tangents. He talks about <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing there, but they are a great story. And then he, uh, I think there's about nine hours worth of audio books. Oh, okay. Um, you can get from him. Um, but what he, he also saw was uh, some of his other friends who were quite famous died and they tried to leave everything as a museum. Yep. And the families had to do the upkeep and all that kind of stuff. He was, said, that's kind of expensive. Okay. Like, you've seen them suffer for it. He yep. goes, I don't want a museum when I'm done. I want my tools to be used as tools. So right. he auctioned everything off. Okay. Um, so his family didn't have to look after it. Um, and he said, I don't want, uh, you know, some... Uh, what do you call them big blue chipper or something to come in and they uh, own right. the narrative yeah. Right. yeah so his tools just sold them off so they're in workshops everywhere wrote his own narrative twice yeah. exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. it's like um, a choose your own adventure <laughs> so uh, he died uh, well, 20 years ago or something like that really um, but the last of it is I don't know if you've ever seen Pixar's Cars movie yeah Cars 3 yep there's a, an old um, Shelby in it called Smokey. Oh, right. Who knows all the tricks of the trade. <laughs> so that's why he's a bit of a legend in NASCAR because he was the one that, uh, when he started, the rule book was very thin. When he finished, yep. the rule book was very thick. <laughs> <laughs> so he didn't necessarily write the book, but the book is because of him. Um, that's pretty interesting to very much what so. he actually come up with, just being a backyard mechanic and how that's still in, in being applied to um, car racing today. Um, like given the, uh, you know, it's probably born 40 years later, he'd been aged in Newey. Yeah, was, he was too smart for his time. But a lot of it was he just experiment. And say, yeah. Let's see what this does. Well, you know, these days you're worried, you know, will this blow up? But back then it was kind of like, eh, I can get... <laughs> this well, is going to blow up at yeah. some point. <laughs> that's how far ahead of his time was. Like, when his mate died, he's like, well, let's look at safety. What can we do? Yeah. Like I said, he invented the fucking tyre wall. That is, that is crazy that NASCAR said, nah, no, no, I'm not sure about this, actually. That's not crazy. That's, that's true. Standard. I'm still shocked that NASCAR doesn't have every, every drive with a gun. Considering like, it was out of the old bootlegging days, fuck it. <laughs> it should be like you drive 100 paces and turn and shoot. That's why you have shotgun seats. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right, Josh, you did some research as well. You got one? Well, this is freaky, actually. Um, I didn't expect you to go uh, for race car driving, and uh, I did. And also from uh, a lad born in the 1920s and drove in the 40s and 50s. Right. Um, Duncan Hamilton. I was going to say, if his name's Smokey, you know, we're in trouble. <laughs> no, he's, in, he's over in uh, in the born in Ireland, uh, in Cork, in uh, 30th April 1920. And uh, at the time, motorsport was really popular with you know the, the rich young things, like you know, the ones that had inherited wealth, as opposed to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, these days yeah. it's professional, but back Smokey. then it was kind of like you know it was just what uh, inherited money did, because horses sucked. Uh, and now it's vice versa. But, uh, you know, he enjoyed racing Austin 7s at Brooklands. And uh, when the war broke out, he joined the Fleet Air Arm, which is the, the naval uh, area. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, he flew fighters and recon aircraft and operated land base. Uh, sorry, from the um, carrier-based aircrafts in the English Strait. So there's a lot of similarities with yeah, Smokey right. here. Yeah, off except the- this guy's in the front, um, like as in he's in the, in the driving seat. But we'll get to that. Uh, at the time, Germany had the best aircrafts, and on many occasions, Hamilton was shooting down bombers at the English Channel, and frequently in genuine fear for his life. And so war goes on, and it, 
his ability to go from being fast asleep to flying a fighter very quickly served him well and served his adrenaline fueled personality. So he just loves this shit. So he's like, like the early day Kimi Raikkonen. Yeah. So, and- Sorry, fast asleep to firing a fighter. Is, is that what you mean? So you roll out of bed and let's go, bang. <laughs> Pretty well, you know, you're in the uh, aircraft carrier and all of a sudden the sirens go off and it's like, fuck, right, out, bang, up, in, bang, up. Because you have to be, you have to go from, uh, you know, dead asleep to in the air in just moments yeah, because or, the, or, the fighters, the channel's not that long. Or just dead. Well, yeah, <laughs> or you get uh, shot down. I'm going to get my adrenaline going, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to yeah. go from uh, dead asleep to doing running the fuck out of there pretty yeah. quick. But, you know, he goes from that to uh, any time, any time he's on duty he could have to be uh within the next 10 minutes be flying and potentially being outnumbered by german bombers and fighters so the adrenaline's pretty spiky yep. around this time and uh once the war finished it was kind of hard to recapture that yep uh so he, he went with sprints and hill climbs uh got a supercharged mgr type a car he once transported to brighton speed trials in a lorry now again it was more an amateur sort of thing so putting the the race car on the back of a lorry pretty common i was gonna say yeah, yeah. And like hill, climb, hill climbs by sort of definition, not definition, but generally they always were amateur events where you just get your street car and you hammer it up a hill and sign yeah, up and timed event as opposed to actual side-by-side racing. Yeah, and you know, around the UK, it's not that hilly. So mm. oftentimes they'd have to not just look at above sea level, but how far, uh, you know, valley you could get to yeah. get and then go up. And he's going to one of the tracks in uh, Guildford. Yeah. And he, he's driving along with the MG on the back of the lorry and he sees this beautiful honeycomb radio of, of a Bugatti in the outside rearview mirror. And he's looking around, he's like, oh, that's a nice car. Uh, it's still driving the lorry. And so he, he moves over to let the beautiful Bugatti drive past, but the car's hanging back. And he's like, well, fuck, all right. It's a bit further down the hill. The Bugatti accelerated and drew level with him. And then Hamilton looks over and realizes there's no one in the car. <laughs> <laughs> and then he remembers. That's right. It's my own car. I was towing that too. He'd forgotten he was t- t- uh, towing his Bugatti 35B behind the lorry. <laughs> Unfortunately, the tow cable's still attached. Oh, so as shit. they're flying down this hill, he's trying to turn. But uh, the lorry, which has also got a car in the back over the rear axles, and the turning obviously is in the front, and the Bugatti, which is attached by a chain, they end up going different directions and wrapping around a tree and meeting in the middle. Ooh. So one goes left, one goes right, the chain hits the tree, they both turn in, head on, and of course the MG goes fucking flying. I think I've seen this one on Roadrunner one time. <laughs> it's like that. Uh, but, but that's not his main claim to fame. That's just an interesting anecdote to this lad. Um, so he also competed uh, in the famous Remus era, uh, Grand Prix Maserati, uh, the Talbot Lago. Uh, and he built a career that encompassed five world champion Grand Prix, 18 championship Formula, non-championship Formula 1 races, but it was Le Mans that he saw his greatest victories in, a team with co-driver Tony Roll. Now... Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Like I said, in the 1450s, it wasn't taken too seriously. So he, Duncan didn't take it too seriously either. Uh, he, he just liked to go out drinking, partying, meeting the girls. And racing was sort of what he did after that. Yep. So he was like a James Hunt before James Hunt. <laughs> right. Uh, he was also a bigger lad. Uh, he, he, you know, the booze and rich food. He was like the boonie at right. that time. Um, I imagine that's okay if you're batting number three, but yeah. I imagine if you're driving a car. <laughs> well, that's just it. Like uh, the open cockpit Formula Ones, he didn't do so well in, but the sports cars where his extra girth and stamina actually served him quite well, yeah. uh, suited him really quite to a T because it was more about endurance than it was uh, about instant one lap speed. It's too hard to spill your drinking over cockpit. <laughs> it does sound like you could do a modern day biathlon for, uh, for them, you know, uh, sports car racing and darts. Yeah. But anyway, on his Formula One work, in the 40s and 50s, he had uh, five Formula One Grand Prix races. No significant success. But in the wet, he had few peers. In his uh, GP at Lago Talbot, he even beat uh, one Miguel Fangio in the Soaking International Trophy race at Silverstone 51. For anyone that knows anything about F1, Fangio is always in the top five races of all time ever. Uh, there's Fangio, Stewart, uh, people put Schumacher up there now. And you could pretty much raffle off the rest. I, I put Bravo up there too because he built the fucking car. Yeah. But... Um, Fangio's always mentioned. Um, he also finished second to Reg Parnell and a long way ahead of Fangio, who would win that same uh, the championship that same year. Uh, like I said, he's a big lad, so perfect. he was a perfect build for sports car driver, which is the same to say, uh, if you're a tubby fucker, sit down at fullback. <laughs> and the funny thing about Fangio is uh, he likes to party too, actually. Uh, mm. has, that, has that many illegitimate kids that are actually having <laughs> a, a fight over his estate at the moment. Oh, fucking believe it. Um, but anyway, his best successes were in Le Mans 24 Hours, which uh, everyone who uh, knows of racing knows Le Mans. It's sort of one of the most famous endurance races of all time, if not the. Uh, Bathurst 1000 wants to put itself up there, but it ain't close. Uh, he competed it nine times with his close friend Tony Rolt. They were fourth on the first drive there in 1950 in a Healy and sixth the following year. Now, Tony Rolt was lieutenant in the rifle parade in, the, in, 19, uh, in 1940 and was sent to France. He was in charge of a reconnaissance platoon. And he was caught uh, and made a prisoner of war after the Battle of Calais. And he was awarded a military cross for his work there, which he was firing on the Germans as they were bearing down on the retreat of Dunkirk. So a, a legit hero. Rolt escaped seven times from German prisoner of war camps, <laughs> including two Stalags, uh, uh, four Oflugs, whatever they are, uh, to the point where they put him in the maximum security prison called Oflug 4C, or Kolditz Castle. That, that's that's great escaping seven times, but you got caught. Seven times. Yeah. <laughs> it means he got caught seven times minimum. Uh, at one stage, from Colditz, he attempted an escape, got within three yards of the Swiss border before being recaptured, which is what accounted for him being transferred right back there into the deepest, darkest cell possible. I feel like the Germans weren't too concerned about that Swiss border. <laughs> um, for his determined escape attempts, he was awarded a bar to his military cross. In 44, he was one of the masterminds behind the audacious glider escape plan, which uh, if anyone remembers, I think it was called the Great Escape, Great escape yeah, right. where they built the gliders and tried to escape from Colditz. Didn't quite work, but, uh, you know, the engineering was there. Do you get the feeling like there was a record for the number of escapes? So he thought, I'll go for this, <laughs> and just kept on getting caught, just, yep. just to pad up his numbers? 
I've legit heard a story from a, one of my girlfriend's dad's friends about how it took him 37 times to escape from Vietnam. And every time he'd get caught, have to try and not get shot. Then they'd have to save up money again to pay the boat driver to do on a boat to try and escape again. I'm like, 37 times, champ. Jesus Christ. Like, maybe, maybe you should come up with plan C or plan D. Like, just try the same thing over again. Well, maybe you should have just bought a boat. I guess <laughs> try a different boat driver because I think he's tipping them off, mate. <laughs> Um, after the war, Rott resigned his commission with the rank of major, and he wanted to move into automotive, as a lot of them did. Um, Rott Hamilton Partnership was in uh, continued in 1954, where they finished second to a work Scuderia Ferrari in a Jaguar D-Type. This was despite uh, incident during a rail storm, where Rott realised he couldn't see, couldn't see properly, so he fit, uh, pitted for a visor, but a Ferrari was already in its pit. So the team waved him on again, and when he came back the next lap, the goggles were full of water, but literally swimming in the shit. He hopped out of the car to fix the visor, and Hamilton jumped in in the car and was away. Having made a four-lap deficit, the Rolt Hamilton D-Type less than four k's behind the victorious Ferrari. So the he really caught him up. Right, he caught up. Right. Okay, right. caught up massively. They also finished second for Jaguar in the Twelve Hours International, but retired from the Fifty-Five uh, Le Mans while running in second place. Uh, Rolt and his wife Lois uh, witnessed the, the disaster that year, which claimed more than eighty lives after Pierre Lives. Uh, Mercedes left the track and ploughed into spectators. Ah, that one's on film too, isn't it? Yeah. That's fucking nasty, uh, yeah. After that, he concentrated on engineering. And by 1956, although a member of the Jaguar Works team, he retired from active duty to devote his full-time efforts to the Ferguson uh, development program. But in 1953, which is where the crux of our story comes. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> 24 Hours Le Mans. Uh, Holton Hamilton's finest hour. They arrive at the racetrack fully prepped and they're pumped up because they've they've had some good runs. They're ready uh, and the Jags running beautifully. The beautiful uh, racing Jaguar Green, if anyone remembers it, uh, number yeah. eighteen. They turn up, do their qualies, and I think they've qualified fourth. So okay. they're That's in good good spot. And then the scrutineers come over and say, "Lad, you DQ'd." I'm like, "What the fuck for?" Like, "Well, there's another Jag over there with number 18, and they were here first. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and so they've gone. You know, again this. This isn't a modern-day professional sport. This is back in the day where yeah. they're like, oh, fuck it, all right. So what do they do when you've got a, a big bloke likes to party and another lad who's uh, probably knee-deep in PTSD? They fuck off to the pub. <laughs> I feel like you could have just changed numbers. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, they're painted on and, you know, all that shit. Yeah. So. Look, yeah. that's, it's now a seven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they head there and, you know, while the night away with French women, champagne and cognac. So after a full night of solid drinking, they're still up at 10 a.m. when the Mark 7 Jag pulls up and out gets the... The Jag Supremo, William Lyons. And he tells them, we're back in the race, boys. <laughs> <laughs> they look at him a bit confused and say, what race? <laughs> he says, the 24 hours of Mons, it's uh, 10 a.m. and it starts at 10.30. Get your gear on. <laughs> so they, they make like mad to the track. They get in there and they, they start pretty much as soon as they arrive. So they almost get a running start. <laughs> at uh, every pit stop, the crew fill the drivers up with coffee while the car's going to be fueled. <laughs> I want to see that rig come out. I want to see you halfway through the lap. But, ah, mate, go Mackers. Go Mackers. <laughs> After about four hours in, uh, driving at 130 miles an hour, Duncan headbutts a fucking bird. Like, manages to fly right. Breaks his nose. He's done the, done the Fabio. <laughs> yeah. Breaks his nose, doesn't feel a fucking thing. After a few more stops, uh, Duncan's stopping, uh, not drinking coffee anymore because it's, it's uh, making his hand shake. So instead, to calm him down, uh, the team give him a few brandies. Jesus. Yep. Uh, they managed to actually keep driving and keep going brilliantly because they finished first with the first team to average over 100 miles per hour in the history of Le Mans. Yeah, the first team had the balls to try and average that speed. <laughs> <laughs> so he was free, And it still stands that uh, his capability was 
even better when pissed, but they both maintain, no, no. Whilst they had been up all night drinking, they sobered up in that half hour. Of course they did. <laughs> yeah. yeah, police bought it too. Um, but the 53 Le Mans story doesn't end there. As Hamilton drove to Oporto to prepare for the Portuguese Grand Prix, held hey. in the... I said he'd go to Macca's. I, got, I was half I was close. He went to a Porto's. Even, even, it's a chicken burger instead. But even more, after, this is straight after the race. Like they've, they've won. They've celebrated extensively, uh, or topped up, depending on how you determine it. And uh, heading to a Porto. Um, just, quiet, just quietly, I wouldn't mind heading to a Porto. Right? Yeah. <laughs> They're shutting down, motherfuckers. Are they? They're, no, there's none in Doncaster and a few other places. I don't know. There's fewer of them. Um, leading in the first corner, when he crashed his Jag, heavily into electricity pylon. The Jag cartwheels uh, throwing him out of the car and into a tree. He hung there for a minute before falling down on the side of the road. Barely conscious, he just moves his legs as a Ferrari races by, connects with the heel of his boot, and the boot flies off. Oof. He almost lost both legs. Uh, he had to be taken to hospital for emergency operation. So that'd be fine, though, because he drives best when he's legless. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Done. Re- recycling a Luke Hodge joke. Um, Duncan was... Uh, the- the medical facilities did not extend to anaesthetic. So as a surgeon leaned over him, Duncan was just mesmerised by the increasing length of the cigarette ash that was dropping into his chest cavity. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. And to top it all off, the reason that they couldn't uh, operate effectively was because the crash had actually cut off the power supply for a Porto for several hours. <laughs> uh, that's why the burgers were cold. Yeah. yeah. He, uh, he managed to keep racing for the next six years, but he hung up uh, in 1959 to concentrate on his garage, which is still thriving today and deals in high-end sports cars. He died in '94 at age of seven, uh, age of seventy-four. Oh, what was his garage yeah. called? Just, just spoilers, by <laughs> the way. second best damn garage. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, he was just one of those larger-than-life lads who loved to fucking drink and uh, managed and, to have a, a boozy finest hour. And won Le Mans when he was pissed. Yeah, that was his big claim to fame. I feel yep. like yeah, twenty-four hours is a long time to go without a drink. So, especially <laughs> in those days after being in the war. I mean, if you could go there and sort of escape Germany, uh, driving a car pissed wouldn't be that much of a, you know, sort of a well, that was his main role. It's, it's when he's looking right. for the bomb release button. He's like, hey, uh, <laughs> got these fuckers. But no, by all accounts, he was a quality driver, just a fat fucker who loved a beer as well yeah. and uh, loved to party. But again, he's one of those ones that probably, like Fangio, will have about a half dozen illegitimate kids running around the place. <laughs> yeah. Good chance. All right. So there's a couple of loose units for you. Yeah. Um, We'll, uh, we'll have a look and see if we can't find some more um, to fill up the next... We've got two weeks before the season yep. actually starts. Mine will be coming up. I just haven't put it together because I was too hungover. Yeah. Oh, actually, I've got a, a real quick one for you um, yep. that I read about on Reddit during the week. Um, the Russians recently won the ice hockey yep. the gold medal. They were the, uh, the Olympic uh, athletes of Russia. Yeah. Not the Russian team. The no. Olympic yeah. athletes from Russia. Because right. of all the drug scandals. Anyway, because they were such a well-oiled machine. Yep. Um but uh, there's the local Russian um, ice hockey league at the moment. Right. Um, now I'm going to miss. I think it's the KLA, KLA, uh, the the number one team, and that's Putin's favourite team. Yep. Um, and they're a good chance to win it this year. And there's a couple of reasons why. For I think starters, they're a great chance. <laughs> they're Putin's favourite. <laughs> hey, idea. It's even better than that. Um, for starters, their salary cap. They're allowed to pay five times the salary cap. <laughs> so, and because the Olympics is you know for the motherland, we need to win. Yep. Um, all the Olympic players are on the one team. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, so, but God. it's so fixed and everybody knows about it yep. that they have to win. So they got the easy draw. Oh, my God. <laughs> but it turns out into the playoffs, there's one team that's going to get re- re- relegated yep. um, and they don't care. They're like, fuck it, we're, we're going to try. And they nearly got there. They nearly beat them in the first Ooh. round of the playoffs. Ooh. It got to overtime 
Um, and uh, it, was, it was a great document on online. Um, there's this one where, I, I don't know, offsides or icing, but if the puck goes over the line, then it's a, a penalty. Yeah. And anyway, they, the team scored the winning goal and they went, all right, we need to go watch the tape because they have video referees. Okay. The ball's a good two feet over the line <laughs> and they've gone, uh, no, nah, it's good. <laughs> it is that corrupt. Wow. <laughs> it's like that. So you uh, look it up, the Russian uh, hockey. It's like cricket in the UAE. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. All right, that'll do us for this week. All right, peace. See ya.